This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hi, this is John Dorsey, co-executive producer of Superhuman Public Radio and the voice of Ethan Schwartz. I wanted to talk to you about a new sponsor of SPR. The series is called The White Vault a horror audio drama set in a remote Arctic outpost and the records of the team sent to repair the station. Now, if you're fans of H.P. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness, this show is for you. Now, this series is complete, so if you're looking for something with a definitive end, check them out today. Find them on your favorite podcasting app or at thewhitevault.com. Now, on to the show. This is SPR. A band of radiation widely believed to be a catalyst for superpowers passed by Earth today. A team of researchers made up of a doctor, his wife, brother-in-law, best friend, and worst enemy took a small spacecraft out to investigate the band. Upon return, they have tested negative for superpowers, but have developed a type of super cancer never before seen by the medical community. More on this story as it develops. That was Wenling Chen reporting from SPR Cape Canaveral. Live from SPR News in Washington, I'm Deidre Wilson. Heroic Legion trainee Blue Bell put on administrative leave after video surfaced of her violently accosting protesters in Seattle broke her two-week silence today with a surprising assertion. Yes, I've seen the video, and frankly, I don't give a damn, because that couldn't have been me. I was in a hospital until this morning. I just saw it on the news, same as you. I don't know who y'all think it is in that video, but it ain't me. Hospital records show that Bluebell has been comatose since miraculously surviving a serious car crash last month. She has been seen publicly performing Legion work since. This adds further speculation to unconfirmed rumors of a doppelganger invasion. Bluebell faces a month probation pending an internal investigation. That was Deirdre Wilson reporting from Washington. It's 73 degrees here in Paradise City. Coming up next is 100% Invisible. This is 100% Invisible. I'm Aries Greco. Look at her. Miss Mindley and her bold double carbon composite cape. Oh, oh, oh! And here's Dean Boat in a bold tactical romper. This is the Heroic Legion's 2020 Fresh Capes Gala. It's an opportunity for the public to meet new hero recruits, a networking event, and, in recent years, a fashion spectacle. My gosh. Solar Rexus is wearing the newest by Isaac Mizrahi. Solar, come over here. Hey, Janice. So, let's talk card pieces. <laughs> I'd love to. The supersuit for the longest time was a thing of utility, a way to hide the secret identity while giving its wearer some added protection. Now the supersuit has become a fashion force. 
with heroes hiring world-famous designers and firms to tailor their look. Oh my god, love it! A look that, for the longest time, was defined by T-shirts. Screen-printed T-shirts. This is Ruby Williams, fashion historian for the Smithsonian's American Superhero Wing. From the wall of the 1950s to the spandex of the 80s, the suits had remained fairly simple. Two-toned, with highlights on the briefs, boots, capes, and most importantly, on the emblem. The emblem became even more important in the 90s, once screen printing became cheaper for the average consumer. Nothing was quite as iconic as a simple logo printed across the chest. Heroes who had very slick, very recognizable costumes wanted to get in on this new market. It turned what was essentially a very minor piece of merchandise into a billboard. This is Bill Barrow, owner of the world's largest collection of superhero t-shirts. Before t-shirts, action figures had been the fastest way for a hero to gain an audience. The problem is, it's a giant expensive headache to manufacture. Talking molds, calls to China, packaging them risk a huge loss if they don't sell. But with t-shirts, for a single paycheck, a small town hero could have themselves 50 units of merch they could turn around for $20 a piece. So t-shirts was a real mitzvah to the little guy. <laughs> it was an arms race, and the weapon was graphic design. As independent heroes flooded the marketplace, the heroic legion found itself behind in a new battle for young consumers. We don't like to use the word consumer. This is Jill Pak, who in the 1990s was the head of marketing for the heroic legion. We prefer the term citizen. In the industry at large, she is the woman credited with ending the t-shirt boom. It was 1995, and the Heroic Legion's designs had become unfashionable. No matter what they came up with, people still preferred indie hero merchandise. Uh, we were throwing paint at the walls, adding pouches wherever we could, muscle pads to costume themselves to exaggerate their already large bodies, lightning bolts, zippers, nipples. There were a lot of revealing costumes in a misguided effort to draw the male gaze. The 18 to 30 market is pretty important to us. No matter what they tried, the t-shirt remained a staple. Until the Heroic Legion class of 2000. We had been getting complaints from our heroes that the costumes weren't practical for real-world use. And they were right. Criminals and villains were getting access to better weapons every year, and we had to react in kind. So, instead of trying to design the coolest costume, we tried to design the most useful. Function over form. The best way to play was not to play at all. Almost overnight, the emblem disappeared as heroes began to favor more functional designs. Color was replaced by Kevlar, and capes were almost entirely abolished. Military specification was now the new hotness. The Legion was once again the leader in fashion, and with it, merchandise. Citizens moved back to more traditional revenue streams. Toys, posters, video games, and of course, officially licensed t-shirts. And the best-selling t-shirts? The classic designs of the 90s. While Millspec is still dominating designs today, small-town heroes are still using the emblems of old to stay relevant in a changing market. Special thanks to Jill Pock, Bill Barrow, Ruby Williams, and of course, the whole 100% Invisible team. We will be back next time with more stories of design.
Support for SPR comes from the Boy and Girl Sidekicks of America. In sidekicking, boys and girls will grow their alter egos into the best superheroes they can be. It's fun, hands-on learning and achievement that puts kids in the middle of the action and prepares them for the rigors of superheroic life. Go to the website to find a hero in need of a sidekick near you. The Boy and Girl Sidekicks of America does not condone sidekicking under the age of 18. Report any instances of underage sidekicking to your local Boy and Girl Sidekicks of America squad near you. Live from SBR News in Washington, I'm Deidre Wilson. For the last three months, a decommissioned luxury Skyliner, the shooting star, has been repurposed as a flying home for those displaced by the president's extraterrestrial policy. It has been traveling port to port, asking for amnesty for those aboard, getting turned away each time. We have Oliver Rigby, captain of the shooting star. Oliver, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Deirdre. How did you come to captain this ship? The shooting star was originally meant to be scrapped in Sri Lanka when its contract was bought by an anonymous donor to house those displaced by the American president. Originally, I was to be on the ship for no more than two weeks, and now I've been here for three months. How are your passengers faring? They are holding up the best they can. Mostly, they are wondering when this will end. We originally were only taking American refugees, but have wound up with people from Britain, Hungary, China. These people literally have nowhere to return to. They come from destroyed planets, universes, entire planes of existence that we cannot access. I myself came from a war-torn country and can relate to their experience. I sense Is everything all right? We are low on food, water, and fuel. Soon the shooting star will be dead in the air. All we can do now is pray. The UN has been in deliberation about what to do with this vessel, but no decision has been reached. That was Deirdre Wilson reporting from Washington. It's 75 degrees here in Paradise City. Coming up next, we enter the speech bubble. From JDHC Houston, this is the speech bubble. I'm Kelly Close. Let's be honest, we've all been kidnapped. At least at SPR, it's a rite of passage. Some reporters feel that's when you know you've made it. We've been invited to fake conferences or dangled above crocodiles or put on an unstoppable sonic train at some point. But for one woman, being held hostage is just part of her daily routine. Karen Carter is a television reporter in Denver, Colorado, who holds the Guinness World Record for being kidnapped. We have her in the studio today. Thanks for having me. So, where does the official number stand today? 453. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a website that keeps count. The creator actually had a fundraising event where they kidnapped me for a weekend. They didn't have my permission, though. Does that count? I'd say so. Oh. Well, that makes it 454. I must say, with that number, I'm surprised you sat with your back to the door. (laughs) The first time I was kidnapped, I was terrified. I had just gone out of college working my first job covering the unveiling of the new three-cent coin at the Mint. You know, fluff stuff for the morning show. All of a sudden, I was whisked off by terrorists and thrown into a minivan. I was rescued an hour later by Avalantris. The goons were arguing about what to do with me when she tore the top off the van. (sighs) 
I was the lead story that night. Any other kidnapping stand out to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been sent into space on the outside of a rocket. There was the shark cage or the room with killer pigs. Five, six. No, I can't even count how many lasers or death rays. Which, really, isn't that just a fancy name for laser? After 454 times, it all just kind of blends together. (laughs) How many of those 454 was Avalantris, the one saving your life? Every time. It feels like I've been in front of every countdown clock on Earth, but whenever it gets down to one, I just know she'll be there. She's like my own personal hero. Outsider when she swoops in and saves your life. Do you have a relationship with Avalantris? (laughs) Not like that. But we do have a good friendship. We'll do events through the station together. I just worry, though, that the more I get seen with her, the more villains go, Oh, well, right, this is someone who has Avalantris' attention. Let's get her. Which... Doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, if I'm a villain and I want to get away with some crime, why would I go out of my way to say to the biggest hero in Denver, oh, hey, look at us, we have your friend. It's silly. I try to tell them that. Have you tried talking to Avalantris about this? Yeah, but what do I want her to do? Leave me to die? (laughs) My fiancé jokes that I'm going to have two wives, an everyday wife and an emergency wife. (laughs) Has your fiancé ever met Avalantris? No, Jen gets really fussy about it. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen the two of them in the same room together, which I guess means they both feel kind of awkward about it. Do you have a picture of the two of you? Yeah, right here. Here's us after I got pulled out of a lava pit. The heat makes my skin look great. You're glowing. And next to you here, this is Avalantris? What? No, that's Jen. (laughs) Have you ever seen Avalantris before? Ah, Yeah, that's right. Uh, Avalantris doesn't wear glasses. Jen's a very normal-looking woman. She's here if you want to talk to her. She worries about me going off to new places. Not that she would do anything. She's a bit of a scaredy cat. (laughs) Jen! What's wrong? Kelly wants to ask you some questions. Oh. Okay. Welcome to the speech bubble. Kelly, big fan. So, how do you feel about Karen's relationship with Avalantris? I uh, think it's great that she has someone keeping her safe. Never get jealous. <laughs> we always joke that Avalantris should be jealous of Jen. Yeah, after all, I get to marry her. I mean, she and Avalantris aren't ever really that close. She swoops in, swoops out. I get to do all the fun stuff with Karen. You never wish that you could be the hero? That Karen could see you the same way she sees Avalantris? I think if Karen saw me risking my life out there, she'd tell me to stop. Must be hard, though. Not for me. I'm no hero. (sighs) That's not true, though. Jen is my hero. She's the love of my life. And when all the things that matter happen, she's the one who's there for me. I love Avalantris, but after I get saved, Jen's the one helping me put the pieces back together. That's what you really need. All right. Well, Karen, any advice for being kidnapped? Well, I think everyone should know the basics of untying knots. Wear comfortable shoes and always carry a snack with you. Oh, and most villains don't actually want you to die. They just want someone to talk to. So be a good listener. And it helps if you're friends with someone more powerful than a falling mat. Ah! Tell Avalantris if she wants her girlfriend back, 
to meet me at Long's Peak. Oh my! A large robotic bird has just taken Karen from the studio and Jen has gone to the bathroom. I'm sure all of us are hoping Avalantris gets there in time to save the day. In the meantime, it's time to bring Karen's kidnapping count up to 455. On the next show, we'll be interviewing Carlos, the building super, as he repairs the gaping hole in our studio wall. For the speech bubble, I'm Kelly Close. From SBR News in Washington, I'm Deidre Wilson. New video evidence has further confused the situation surrounding embattled Legion hero Blue Bell. Surveillance footage from the Charleston Medical Center shows Blue Bell in her hospital room at the same time as cell phone footage shows her attacking protesters 3,000 miles away. The heroic Legion has issued a statement asserting that they have been made aware of this video and will investigate. SBR will continue reporting as the story develops. In international news, the refugee ship Shooting Star has been rescued by the vigilante Cosmos after the failure of the ship's main engine. He has flown the ship and its passengers to the remote Pacific island of Isla Selva. Isla Selva was famously abandoned by General Genetics after the failure of their dinosaur theme park. The island has been a disputed territory since the company filed for bankruptcy in early 2018. Passengers have tweeted out support for the hero, and are reported to be in good spirits. More on this story as it develops. That was Deirdre Wilson reporting from Washington. Today's show was written and produced by John Dorsey and Maximilian Clark, with additional producing by Brendan Sokler and Carla Lerner. This episode features the talents of Al Pagano, Brendan Sokler, Connor Maroney, Danielle Cohn, Joe Williamson, Leah Yan, Molly Downs, Moni Aliama. Robin Maitland, Sonia O'Hara, Steve Hayes, Taylor Coriel, Tiffany Clifton, and the SPR Players. With special thanks to Hunter Shelburne and Brenna Khalid. The SPR main theme was composed by Rock Lee. Other themes were composed by Steven Munoz. SPR is directed and edited by Maximilian Clark. SPR is supported by listeners like you. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. You can also support SPR by heading to Patreon.com and looking up Superhuman Public Radio. Patrons get access to ad-free episodes, interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. For more, head to SuperhumanPublicRadio.com. Coming up in the next hour, everyone wants to know where Bigfoot is, but nobody wants to know how Bigfoot is. Ben Belzer reports. This is SPR. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Are you emotionally exhausted? Do you have strong feelings about authoritarian power structures? Have you ever stared up at the night sky and felt tiny and alone? If so, ask your doctor about Wolf 359, the award-winning sci-fi audio fiction podcast by Kinda Evil Genius Productions. Side effects may include strange genetic experiments, unreliable AI systems, the potential discovery of alien life, and toothpaste. Find Wolf 359 wherever you listen to podcasts and visit wolf359.fm to learn more.